as we uh, work through the uh, third installment of our Heaven series called Unearthed. If you are a first and second grader uh, and like to join our uh, and join our pirate ship room. Now, parents, let me say this. Uh, there is a small section of today's sermon that is a little bit adult themed. Um, uh, we'll deal with a little bit of the marriage intimacy type stuff. So if you want your third through fifth grader to join our pirate ship room today, uh, you can certainly go do that. I don't want to stop you from doing that. I'll, I'll let you explain uh, the birds and the bees to your own child uh, if you wish, if you don't. But it's, it's very, very small. It's a very, very small part of our sermon. And now that I have your attention, um, <laughs> we'll move on. Now, here's, here's what's funny. Now, two weeks from today, uh, we're, we're, uh, we're going to conclude this Heaven series. So like I said, this is part three. Uh, it's five parts in all. The fifth part of the series, the, our first, the fifth part of the series, uh, is, is going to be Q&A. I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to stand up here, and I'm going to answer your questions. And how that, I've been able to do that is online, you could submit your questions uh, on, on Facebook and stuff like that. There's a link uh, to be able to ask your questions. And I've had, I think I've had 40 or 50 questions asked uh, to all sorts of different things. And then at the, uh, at the end of today, okay, at the end of today, I'm going to close that, and then I'm going to put all of the questions online for you to vote on and vote and what and we'll just go with the uh the questions that you want to see the most the most popular questions that those are the ones i'll answer because i don't think that i'll have time to answer 40 or 50 questions now i've answered a lot over the last couple weeks and hopefully i'll answer some more today uh, and here's here's a couple of the questions i just want to here's a couple of the questions that have been a little bit interesting and i'll just share some of them with you do you always look your best like with no effort was my, uh, and I'm sure there will be no need for what not to wear in heaven. Uh, is, there, is heaven like a spaceship coming down to earth? That's a good one. Uh, will, will we go to, no, I love this one. Will we go to the bathroom in heaven? You know, like number two. Uh, and I'll say, to the glory of God, my friends. Uh, <laughs> Are we all, this is, this is how the question is phrased. I love this. I, I'm not adding anything to this. Are we all going to be, be vegetarians? If so, I won't make it. Uh, is there truly a stairway to heaven? And my answer to that is, I'm not sure, but I'm sure Led Zeppelin will, there, will be there to greet you. Uh, and this is my personal favorite. If heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, what happens to Hank Williams Jr.? I don't know. But we need better questions. That's what I know. Um, so anyway, here, that, those are just uh, sampling, but we will, we'll get into some of the better questions uh, in a couple weeks. So I'll, I'll put that up for you guys to vote on. Now, here's, a, here's some review. If you weren't here over the last couple weeks, let me give you some review over what we've been talking about. First thing is, uh, I've, I've said, we've, we've looked at a couple of the myths about heaven because a lot of the truth has been obscure about what heaven is. So let me go over a couple of things. Uh, number one, heaven is not a far off place. Heaven is not a far off place. We've said that, um, we've, we've seen from the scriptures that that God doesn't make any junk, and so he is actually going to bring heaven down to earth. At the end of time, heaven will actually come and collide with earth, and we will live here. If you are interested in hearing how all that happens, uh, then you can uh, listen online to that first sermon. But we will actually live on a perfected earth, which leads into the second one. God doesn't destroy everything. He does destroy some things like sin and the curse and evil and Satan. He just simply takes away all those things. God doesn't make any junk. He just fixes what he has already made, and that's pretty important. 
Uh, the other thing is heaven will not be a boring place. A lot of us fear heaven because we think that it's going to be boring. We think that we're going to run out of things to do very quickly, which will not absolutely not be the case. And we'll talk a little bit about that this morning. Uh, and then fourth, and there's a lot of people that believe that when we go to heaven, we will be ghosts or spirits or mists or something like that. But that's not true at all. The scripture talks a lot about how we'll be tangible human beings. And so that we'll be able to, uh, we'll do, be able to do everything and more that we're already able to do. Now, here's something that is important for us to realize as we get into this sermon. And this is important. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. I want, you to, call, I want to call this the continuity principle. The continuity principle. And that is that the, <clears throat> whatever is not sinful, whatever is not sinful will, will continue and progress forward into heaven. I think I have that on the board, yeah. With a few exceptions, and we'll talk about those exceptions today. Whatever is not exce- whatever is not sinful will continue and progress forward. Meaning, last week we talked about this. We're not going to go back to the beginning of time, where we're all going to live in the Garden of Eden. That's not going to happen. We are progressing forward, where a lot of the things that haven't been created out of sin, so buildings and wonderful, amazing things, will continue to be established here on the earth. We'll progress forward, but we'll progress perfectly. Now, here's what I want to go into today. So if you have a Bible, Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60. If you're new, uh, that is going to be right, really right in the middle of your Bible. So if you pick right in the middle, uh, you're going to find Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, which is a prophet. He's an Old Testament prophet of God, which is a person who both looked back into time, and he also, God gave him the ability to look forward into time. And so in Isaiah chapter 60, God gives Isaiah the vision of what eternal future might look like, and uh, it gives him he gives him that truth. And so we're going to look at chapter sixty, uh, verse fifteen through twenty-two, and that'll be up on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be up on the screen. It says this: Whereas you have been forsaken and hated. Now I want you to I want you to get this when we're reading this. I want you to pay attention to how many times it says the word you, meaning it's this is God speaking to His people. Okay. So, whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, I will make you majestic, what does it say? Forever. A joy from age to age. You shall, shall suck the milk of the nations, you shall nurse at the breast of kings, and you shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold, and instead of iron, I will bring silver, instead of wood, bronze, instead of stones, iron. I will make, you, I will make your overseers peace and your, task, your taskmasters uh, righteousness. Violence shall no more be heard in your land. Devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall no more your light. I'm sorry. The sun shall be no more your light by day. Nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. But the Lord will be your everlasting light. And your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light. And your days of mourning shall be ended. I love that about heaven. Your, your people shall be righteous. They shall possess the land. Remember? Heaven goes down to earth. You shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planting. The work of my hands that I might be glorified. The least one shall become a clan. The smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord. And it's time. I love that. And it's time. I will hasten it. Meaning... 
I will make it come to pass. I love this passage because it speaks directly to the people of God saying, this is going to be your future. This is who you are. I want to talk about your presence. Now, I don't like to talk about us very often. Most of the time in sermons and stuff like that, I really like to really heap the praise unto God and say, God, you are glorified. This is all about you. I want this to be about you. I want our praise and our affections to be pointed into Jesus. Now, in this passage, however, he does talk a lot about us. Remember, it says you and your a lot in this passage because he does want us to know what happens to us. What happens to his people because he desperately loves his people. So today, here's what I want to do. Last week, we talked about kind of, we took a tour of heaven. We saw what it might be like, what the city will be like, what it might be to wander the streets of heaven, what that looks like. Today, I want to talk about kind of us as persons. And I want to talk about what our human bodies will look like, what our relationships will look like. So I want to challenge you to a little bit, think about yourself. Think about how you might interact with others and be yourself in front of God uh, in this passage. So let me, before I do that, let me pray and we'll get right in. Uh, God, we're grateful that you have given to us an opportunity to, to love you through wondering what it's going to be like to be with you. And Father, we know that in its time you will bring this to pass. And I'm thankful for all the scripture that we're about to read today. And I'm thankful that it is absolute truth and that we can follow it to uh, exactly where you, where you lead us. And we know that you never lead us into any kind of lie, that you will always guide us into the truth. And so I ask that you do that today. Uh, Jesus, we love you and we're thankful today. You know what I pray? Amen. All right, so what about us? So really, I want, this, is what, this is the question I want to ask. What about us? What happens to us and uh, just like any good sermon, I have three, three wonderful principles about that, right? Okay. Number one, write this down. We will be ourselves. We will be ourselves. And I know that's not a deep thing, but here's what I want to say. The myth is, is that we cease to be ourselves when we are on or when we leave earth. We, that we lose ourselves or we lose our personality and that we fear that we might lose who we are as a character. And when I talk about that, we'll, that we will lose sin and that we'll lose evil, and you'll, you're, if you think long enough about it, you're like, there's a lot of me that's wrapped up into that. There's a lot of my history that is wrapped up into things that I have done wrong in my life. Does that mean that I won't really be who I really am? Like, you can think, like, I'm kind of a sarcastic guy. I like to joke around a lot. Does that mean that I won't be like that in heaven? What does that mean? I like, you know, I like to do sports and I I like to focus in on things that are not exactly heavenly. What does that mean? What am I going to do? And let me say this, you will not lose who you are. You will not lose who you are. This comes from a very Hindu or Buddhist worldview that the goal of uh, the goal of eternity is to kind of lose yourself and nirvana and and you strive towards nothingness. Uh, where you're just kind of a spirit body where you don't think and you're not really yourself. And that's absolutely not true. Let me say this. Uh, the scripture says, and, and I'm going to put up a ton of scripture, just like I have the last couple of weeks on the screen. I don't expect you to flip to it. Just read it up on the screen and follow along with me. It says this in Job, uh, Job 19, 25 through 27. Job says this, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. So at the last he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, and he's at this time, Job is diseased, and he's, uh, he's got skin diseases, all sorts of places. Yet in my flesh I 
will see God, whom I shall see from myself. And my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I am going to view God. Not somebody else, not some other figure. I am going to be the one that views him. Now, when Jesus uh, was resurrected after, after his death and crucifixion on the cross, uh, this is what he says in, tw- in, in Luke 24, 39. It says this, It is I, myself, touch me and see. It wasn't some other being. It was Jesus. It was him in the flesh, exactly who he was when he was crucified. And I love this. We are going to be ourselves because there's multiple accounts in scripture where God calls the name of the person who is now in heaven. In Luke 16, 25, Jesus calls Lazarus by name. He says, Lazarus, who is in heaven calls him by name in the, at the transfiguration in uh, in Matthew uh, I'm sorry in, uh, in Matthew 8:11 Jesus says to himself that we will recline at the table of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Now, if they would have lost who they were and their personality, it would be impossible to call them by their own name. Now, in Revelation 20 verse 15, it says that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Okay? So it's important. Parents, when you name your kids, they will have that name forever, right? All right? So pay attention to what you name them, right? It's, it's, it's pretty important. Their name is written specifically in the Lamb's Book of Life. Those who have accepted Christ and have a relationship with him, your name is important. Jesus is going to call you by name. I love this. Uh, we will also be unique. We will also be very unique. Luke 15, 4 through 7 says this. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he, was, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that he has lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over the one sinner who repents over the, uh, than over the ninety-nine righteous person. What he's saying is God knows you specifically. There is rejoicing over the one. Yes, there's rejoicing over the many, but there is also the rejoicing over the one. In Revelation 7, verse 9, it says this. After this, I looked. This is John speaking. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Here's what I want to say. You see what he says there? From every nation from all the tribes and peoples and languages, and they, they have kept their culture. They have not lost who they were. They have not lost their language. They have not lost what color they might, that God has made them. They have not lost who they are in their culture, how they dress. All of those things will be intact because that's the way that God made them. Now, here's, here's an interesting thing that I want you to grasp because a lot of people don't understand this. We will be human in heaven. We will not be angels. Here's why. Humans are humans and angels are angels, right? To say that when we die, we become an angel, like some television shows or whatever cartoons that you might see or whatever, to say that we're going to become an angel, that would be like saying when apes die, they go up to heaven to be humans, right? That's, that's not how things work. God, he- heavenly bodies, God created angels as a very specific uh, 
being, and then he created human beings as very specific beings. So don't think that when you go to heaven that you're going to sprout wings and get a halo and become an angel. That's not how things work. You are still going to be human. Now we're going to be interacting with angels. And what's interesting is that in the scriptures it actually says that humans, in the hierarchy of everything that happens in heaven, is that humans are actually of a higher order than angels, which is interesting. I don't I don't have time to really get into that, but, it's, uh, but still, what we have to understand, so when you see those kind of stereotypical things on television or, uh, or whatever, know that you're not going to go to heaven and you're not going to be an angel. You are going to be a child of God, a human being. Uh, and here's what I want to say. The reason why this is, the reason why you're going to maintain your identity is because you're going to be, you're going to remain and have your accountability. It is very important for you to remain who you are because you are accountable for your actions. He has intricately wove you together. Maybe, remember, God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make trash, and he's not going to throw it away and destroy it, right? God made you, intricately wove you together specifically who you are. And he doesn't want to throw that away and make everything the same, make everything the same language, and make everything, and lose all of our culture. He's going to keep all that together because he wants to show you And when you get there, he wants to sit down with you and speak to you as a normal individual of who you are. He wants to sit down with you and he wants to talk about, you know, he wants to sit and and explain to you, this is why your marriage struggled during that one time. He wants to show you why he wanted to teach you those things. He wanted to, he wants to show you and rewind the tape and show you, this is how I saved your life when you got in that car wreck. You remember when you got in that car wreck? This is how I saved your life specifically. And it might, it, it might be that he might, uh, he might be able to show you why, are you why are you struggling with some kind of physical pain or physical ailment or disease that you might have. And when you sit down with Jesus, perf- perfected, we'll talk about that in a second, and he'll, he'll be able to tell you, this is exactly why I allowed this to happen. And he might even be able to tell you, here's the best part, Jesus is going to be able to sit down with you individually and tell you your story better than you can tell it yourself. Because he wrote it. He knows you. He knows you intricately because he created you and designed you and he knows you and he can tell you about yourself better than you can. And it's going to be cool to sit with Jesus and ask him about what that is. And it's important for us to know that we're all going to be unique and all of those differences are good. So if we look across kind of the picture of the church here on earth, there's a lot of people that do a lot of different things than we do. There's a lot of people that like different, different music than we do. There's a lot of people that dress differently. than I, I can't wait to like go to heaven on like, I don't know, Australian night. And we, you know, we like worship God like the aborigines or something like that. And, and you know, they bring all their instrumentation. And, and it's like, we're going we're gonna to be led in worship by them because they love Jesus and they're going to do it in their own way. It's very unique. I can't wait for that. It's going to be fun because we get to experience everything that's different about the kingdom of God. Okay, secondly, uh, secondly, we will fulfill our physical and mental potential. We will fulfill our physical and mental potential. Sin in this world has greatly affected our human body. It's greatly affected us. We age, we break down, we weaken, we get disease, and we die. That is what happens to our human body. Every one of us has a disease, and it's called sin. None of us is away from it. None of us doesn't have it. All of us have contracted it. And we all are going to die from the same thing, which is sin. Because all of our bodies are going to break down, and we're all going to die. Now, um, 
because, because we are all going to heaven, we are, we are going to a place where sin doesn't exist. And if sin doesn't exist there, then there is no breakdown of your body. There is no, uh, there is no cancer. There is no disease. There, there is nothing that is going to kill you at all. And how do we know this? Um, Revelation 21.4, it'll be up on the screen, says this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Now, now look at that passage. It says, now death will be no more. Now, earlier in Scripture, we see in Romans 6, 23, that it says this, for the wages of sin are death. So what we can do is we can equate that sin is equal, or, or that, it, that it leads to death. And if there is no more sin, that means in heaven there will be absolutely no more death. So what does that mean for our bodies? Our bodies will be beautiful, just as God created us to be. Now, for those who are wondering, you will be, remember the continuity principle, remember that you will continue to be the way that God made you to be. Anything that was not sinful at the creation is going to continue in heaven. So if you are a guy, you are going to be a guy in heaven. And if you are a girl, you're going to be a girl in heaven. That's just, that's the way you're not, you don't become kind of neutral and we're all kind of wandering around with all of our parts, right? You are going to be that way. You're going to be male and you're going to be female. For those, I got asked that last night on Facebook and I just thought you were ridiculous. Um, so the, and what's, what's great about the natural beauty of who we are is that um, we will not have any vain pursuit of some kind of reconstruction of our body. Each and every one of us will see God and ask him and know how he created us. And so we will be able to see what the natural, uh, how he created us naturally. So there is no wondering, you know, there is no wondering, I'm going to fix this, I'm going to move this, I'm going to tuck this, I'm going to fix this, I'm going to boost this. There is none of that in heaven. It's all very, very natural, right? And so if you are bald, if you don't have many teeth, if you struggle with incontinence, and you might cry a lot, um, you you might turn out like this. Um, So you're very naturally beautiful. Now, nobody would say that my little girl up there, who is all of those things that I just said, nobody would say that she is ugly. Right? Why? Because that's the way that God made her right there. She is in her essence. Right? All three teeth, bald, incontinent, and cries a lot. Right? We are going to be exactly how God naturally created us to be. And that's going to be beautiful. And we're going to see each and every one of us exactly how that happens. And you can take that off the screen because people are just going to stare at her and not me. Um, <laughs> we will live 100% of our created and resurrected potential. We will live at 100% of our created and resurrected potential. There will be nothing wrong with us that will hinder us. Um, our, our bodies will be at their absolute potential. There will be nothing. You will not have any pain. Your bones will not, will not be, there's nothing wrong with you. There's no, no muscle that is going to be wrong with you. You will not have any kind of disease. Anyone who is blind will be able to see. The, the scripture talks about that. If you're lame, you're going to be able to walk. Everybody will live up to their great potential, both physically and mentally. 
All right, Here, here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It says this, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then, but I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Our capacity to learn, meaning our capacity to use our brain, will be greatly enhanced in heaven. We will continue to learn and learn and learn and learn and learn. Does that mean, now a lot of people think this, that when I get to heaven, I will know everything. That is not the truth. Now, do you have the capacity to learn more and more and more for all of eternity? Absolutely. But only God is omniscient. We are still finite beings, but uh, only God knows everything. Okay, but we will continue to learn about who uh, about who God is and everything that he created. Now, you might ask if you might be a little bit smart, you might think, okay, if we can for all of eternity continue to learn, does that mean at some point that we will stop learning because there will be nothing more to learn? And the answer to that is no. Here's the reason. Because God is omniscient. He is constantly, he is all-knowing and and he is omnipotent, meaning that he can create and he's all-powerful and he will continue to create. You know those stories that you hear about, about science, how the, the scientists say that the universe is constantly expanding? That's true. I'm just glad they found that out for us, right? That's true. You know why? Because God didn't stop creating when he created us. He continues to create. He continues to expand the universe. And he does that so that we can continue to learn about who he is. One of the best parts about who God is and about being in heaven is that we will never get to the point where we know everything. Because wouldn't that be a tragedy? Wouldn't we come to the end and say, huh, well, I got everything down, so why do I need to exist anymore? We will become experts at things, but we will never know everything. But we will have a huge, awesome capacity to learn. Uh, one of the things is that we will not have. Uh, we will not have non-human characteristics. It's not like we're going to sprout wings or have gills or, uh, you know, be able to do or be able to morph into things. A lot of people think that you can, like, morph into whatever you want uh, as being in heaven. You are still going to be a finite human being, and you can't just decide one day that you want to be an antelope. All right? That's, that's just not going to happen. You are still going to be a human being, and you're not going to gather things. You're not, you're not going to grow things that are not human things to do. Now, I will say that we will be able, because there is no pain and then there is no limit to, uh, to how far we could stretch the human body, uh, it will be interesting to see what we can do. I, when I was in Haiti with Barnabas on the boat, that dude was a conch fisherman, and we'd time him, and that dude would go underneath the water for upwards of four to five minutes. And he'd just be down there, collecting conch for four to five minutes under the water. I can't even do that for 30 seconds. Like, this guy had stretched the human body. Can you, ima- can you imagine what you could do with a perfected, no-pain human body? What could you do? What could you do? And you can certainly try anything, which is great. All right, number, number, uh, number three. Um, number three, we will know and live in unity with the citizens of heaven. We will know and live in unity with the citizens of heaven. Now, a ton of people ask about this. Am I going to know the people that I know on earth? Am I going to be able to meet people? All of these things. And so I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in just a second. God designed us for relationship with one another. When God created Adam in the garden, he created him and, and he said there was only one thing that was not good. 
And that one thing was that he did not have a companion. He did not have a partner. He did not have someone to live life with him, another human being. And so God created Eve, which gave him a companion to live life with because it was not good for him to be alone. The same is the case in heaven. We will not wander around heaven aimlessly without any relationship and not really know anybody. We will know people. We'll know the same people that we knew here with the caveat of We will know them if they are a believer in Christ. Here's what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians as he's talking. This is great. He's talking about the Thessalonian church. And I I love this. In 1 Thessalonians uh, 2, verse 17 through 20, it says this. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. And get this. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Meaning, what is going to be our joy when Jesus comes? It says this. Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. He says, what is going to be one of the most fantastic things about the end of the world? He says, it's going to be in relationship with you. Now, every resurrected follower of God will be in heaven. Every resurrected follower of Jesus Christ that has a relationship with Jesus will be in heaven. So we'll be able to uh, be, uh, we'll be able to sit down with Adam and Eve and wonder, oh, like, how did you name the animal, dog, dog, cat, cat? How? We'll be able to ask those kind of questions. We'll be able to kind of sit and, and, and wonder with Noah. When, when God called you, Noah, to, to build a boat, uh, how did that come off? I mean, what was it like to live 900 years on the planet Earth? What was, what was that like? Tell me, tell me what that's like. I mean, you can ask Moses, what was it like to see millions of Israelites freed from slavery at one time? How did that feel? You can sit with him and ask that. You can sit on a fishing boat with Peter and fish with him and ask him, what was it like that first time when you saw Jesus and when, he, when, when Jesus told you to throw the net on the other side of the boat and you caught this amazing, amazing catch of fish? What was that like? You might even be able to say, Paul, Paul, I'm a little confused about what you wrote in your, in your letters. Can you explain that to me and, uh, you know, face to face? You might be able to do that. Now, a lot of people ask, and this is where I'm going to get into some things, all right? A lot of people ask, am I going to be, do I, am I going to know my spouse Am I going to know the woman or the guy that I'm married to? And let's go to the next question. Am I going to be married in heaven? Like, how does that work? And what what happens if I'm married multiple times? And And here's the truth that I want you to get about marriage in heaven. You will have... You will, you will know and have a deeper, richer, and more intimate relationship with your spouse unlike anything you had on earth. Let me say it again. In heaven, you will have a much more deeper, richer, intimate relationship with your spouse than you ever did here on earth. So does that mean that we will be married in heaven? It's a good question. This is what Jesus says specifically about marriage, which is pretty irrefutable. Matthew 22, verse 30. I think it's going to be on the screen. For in the resurrection, meaning in heaven, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. Meaning this, you are neither going to be married nor given in marriage. Here's what this means. This 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 is what this doesn't mean. This does not mean that there will not be marriage in heaven. Here's what I mean by that. There will be one marriage in heaven. 
There will be one marriage in heaven. I want you to kind of turn your brain on and think about this. There is the relationship between Jesus, who is the groom, and his church, who is the bride. And in heaven, the two are married to one another. So there is a marriage in heaven. And it is between us, the church, and the groom, who is Jesus. And that marriage will last for all of eternity. So will, the, will there be marriage in heaven? Absolutely. Between Jesus and his church. That does, what that does mean is that there will no longer be necessarily a marriage relationship between you and your spouse. And here's why. And you might grieve that a little bit. Uh, and here's why. Because we often understand, and there's a misconception, that marriage is about the man and the woman. Marriage is not about the man and the woman. Marriage is about a, a giant symbol or illustration or billboard to the world that says this marriage relationship is a picture of Jesus and his church. Now, there is a great byproduct of the wife and the husband loving each other and living in, in, in great relationship with one another. That's fantastic. And that should be the byproduct of, happens, of what happens. But marriage is truly the relationship between the husband and Jesus the wife and Jesus and their relationship together. That's what marriage is. It is a giant signpost or a billboard that says to the world, this is what the relationship with God looks like. Now, when we get to heaven, because that marriage will, are, will, will be happening right then and there between Jesus and his church, there will be no more need for the signpost or the billboard when that happens. Okay? So, uh, there will be no more marriage, but that, but what that mean, but what we're talking about in heaven is we get to have perfect relationship with one another. So that's why I say at the beginning of this that you will have and you will continue to have a deep, meaningful, trusting, loving, intimate relationship with your spouse, and it'll be deeper and better than it ever has been on this earth. It will be deeper and better for all of eternity, and will continue to get deeper and better with your spouse. Right? Now, the reason why we don't believe that or we struggle to believe that is because we equate intimacy with sex. That's what we do as human beings. So, and we often think that sex is often a bad wonderfully amazing, right? That's where sex should happen, right? But in, merit, but in heaven, we're not going to be married. So how does that, 
How does that work? It's a little tricky. I've got to be honest with you. It is, it is a little bit tricky. And, and the answer to that question is, I'm not completely confident that we'll have sex in heaven. Right? There's not a whole lot of direct scripture that speaks to that. I will probably lean to the idea that there probably will not be. But however, this is what I... But it's, I'm, it's possible. God created it. He made it. It's possible that something might happen, but I don't know. I, I, I can see where it could go wrong a little bit weird. Because if you've, been, if, you're, you know, if you've been married multiple times, say your first wife or something dies and you get married again and you get up in heaven and all three of you are in heaven, like, who's going to have sex today? That doesn't work. Right? It, like, it's a, it's a little bit confusing. All right? I told you this is PG-13 version of the show. All right? I, I, you can see where it can get a little bit confusing. This is what I will say for me and every other guy on the face of the planet. I, your physical, and girl, your physical desire is never going to be unfulfilled in heaven. Every part of heaven is satisfaction and fulfillment. There is no part of heaven that is, um, that is unfulfilled or unsatisfied. So I don't know how the physical part of sex is, is going to be fulfilled. I don't know how that's going to happen. But I can conclude from Scripture is that we will never, ever be lacking in anything in heaven. And it's just because we have a very earthly body who is uh, ridiculed and, and, and put into a very sinful environment that says that the best part of any relationship is sex which is not true. Ask any 80-year-old couple who's been married for 50 to 60 years, they will probably tell you that the best part of their relationship is their intimate relationship together, not their sex life. And so we get to have the relationship like that. So here's how I want to close out today. I want to tell you this. A lot of people ask about this. Am I going to know my friends? Am I going to know my family? Are we going to be able to hang out and have fun? And the answer to that is absolutely. You are going to know the people that you had a relationship with, and here's the caveat, that they have a relationship with Jesus. So it is, it is, is, it, is it possible that you will be able to sit around with your family and reminisce about family vacations? Absolutely. Will you be able to talk with your friends about that fishing trip that you had in eighth grade? Absolutely. Will you be able to, to sit with your grandfather and have him tell the story of how he met your grandmother 400 times? Yes. And that will happen, and every single time the story will get better and not annoying, right? It's, it's, going, to be a, it's going to be a great time. We will be able to sit, uh, we'll be able to walk the streets of gold with one of our friends. And, you'll, and that friend will be able to begin telling the story about how they were once without God and without Jesus. And they'll tell you, they look you straight in the eye as you're walking through heaven and say, I remember when you told me about Jesus for the first time. And before they can't even like, get through the story, they began to cry happy tears about, about what Jesus has done for them. And, and he, they throw your arms, their arms around you and say, thank you, thank you, thank you for telling me about this Jesus. Is that going to happen? Yeah, absolutely. I cannot wait to meet guys and, and girls that I've discipled throughout the years and and just talk about that and talk about that process and hear how hear the wondrous stories of amazement of seeing Jesus save amazing people. Here's what's important about all that. Is that you notice that it is there is a caveat, you need a relationship with Christ to be in heaven. It says this in John fourteen six. It says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is Jesus speaking. No one comes to the Father except through me. It is a very exclusive claim 
To word it another way would be no one will get into heaven. No one will have a relationship with God except through a relationship with me. It is incredibly important for you to know that our life on earth matters. And it matters because we have to make a decision for Jesus while we are living on this earth. Once we die, it is over and there is no more making of any type of decision for Jesus. We will spend an eternity in hell without him. And there will be no crossing over. There will be no like, I'm, I've done my time. I've spent a thousand years in hell and now I get to go to heaven. That's not how it works. It is an eternal life. And it is an eternal death. We have to make that decision now before we die. The scripture is incredibly clear on that. And Jesus is the exclusive way. It is the only way. There is no other way to Jesus except through, uh, there is no other way to God except through him. And I want you to know that. I want you to think through your life. And I also want you to think through your relationships. One of the interesting things is, is I've, um, People have their uh, bucket list. You might, you guys might know what a bucket list. These are, these are the things that uh, these are the things that you want to do in your life before what you you kick the bucket right before you die. And, and normally, there's all sorts of stuff on these lists. You know, you want to go skydiving. Uh, you you want to backpack through Europe. Uh, you might want to go to every NFL stadium in the world. You might want to um, you might want to fly an airplane. I'm not really sure what is on your bucket list specifically. You want to do all of these things before you die. Here's the glory: is all of those things you can do in heaven, and you can do them better. Every single one of them. You'll be able to backpack through Europe just fine. You'll be able to go skydiving probably without a parachute and just land. Right. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to do all of those things in heaven better than you can do them now. I guarantee you that you can do them better when, you know, when you're retired and you're 70 and you're, you're 80 years old and you're kind of crippled and you're trying to figure out how to skydive. I guarantee you that it will be better in heaven when you're trying to figure out how to do that. So the question is not for you, what is on your bucket list? I want you to consider who is on your bucket list. I want you to consider who is on your bucket list, not what is on your bucket list. Because here's the deal. There are two things that, that, that you absolutely cannot do in heaven. One is that you can't sin in heaven. You cannot sin in heaven. And two, you will not be able to share the gospel. You will not be able to share the love of Jesus with somebody in heaven. That just will not be able to happen. You know why? Because there will be nobody in heaven that does, hasn't already trusted in Jesus. So your family member, your friend, your person at work, your neighbor, if they don't know Jesus now, you will not get another opportunity after you both die to share Jesus with that person and hope that they will go to heaven. That's not going to happen. And so I ask you, not what is on your bucket list, but who? What are the names of the people that are not Christians that need to be on your bucket list of people I need to tell about Jesus? This same message of, I'm looking forward to heaven, and I have all these questions because I'm looking forward to going there, and I can't wait to go there. We might, often, we might want to stop and wonder, I've, I, the girl I work with, I know doesn't know Jesus, and maybe I should shut up about my questions and wonder about her and whether she's actually going. And that's important. So two challenges today. I want you to do this in your notes. If you're serious about this, if you're serious about heaven, if you're serious about wondering what God has for you, I want you to think through this. Who is on your bucket list? And it might just be one name. 
And you might want to take a, take a note and say, this is, the, this is the name of the person that I want on my bucket list of this, this person. I want to tell this person about Jesus before I die or he dies or she dies. That's the person on my bucket list. And there might be numerous people on that bucket list that you want to share Jesus with. Because I guarantee you won't be able to do it after the fact. Right? And then secondly, you need to ask yourself whether you are someone's one. Whether you are in somebody's bucket list. And you might be here today because you are on their bucket list. That they have prayed for you and they want you to be here so that you can hear about the love of Jesus today. And this might be your day where you say, hey, I've heard all this stuff about heaven. I've heard about Jesus. And you just said that he's the only way to get to heaven. Then I need to know more about that. And I need to ask what a relationship with Jesus looks like. And I, cause I certainly want to go there and I certainly don't want to go to hell, but I want a relationship with Christ. And so I ask you, are you someone's one? Are you on somebody's bucket list? This church has been praying for you. They might not have even known your name, but you're on ours. And we want you to come to a relationship with Christ today. It can't wait till tomorrow. It needs to happen today. And so uh, I'm going to, we're going to sing a little bit. Um, we're going to sing one more song. Uh, and, and whether you want to talk to me or talk to somebody, I'll, I'll, I'll walk right over here to your right. And I'll be right over there. And if you'd like to talk to me about a relationship with Jesus, I hope that you would. And we can... Uh, we can just dive right into what it means to love God. Uh, so let's pray together and I look forward to uh, worshiping some more. God, you are great and you are glorious and you are um, the king of heaven. I love the fact that it is not going to be some kind of crazy democracy, but it is going to be a kingdom with a king. And that you are a benevolent, good, loving, savior, redeemer, king who wants his people to be in relationship with him. And you have spoken so clearly to us. It is not a mystery, but it is clear, a clear plan of redemption. I'm thankful that we get to look forward with hope. That we don't look forward with just being scared and and being in some type of mystery. But Father, that you have written and said so much about what heaven is that we can look forward to it and that we can wonder and stand in amazement of what what you have prepared for us. And so God, I ask that um, if we are in the boat of, um, of needing to challenge someone with this message of Christ, that, that we would understand that it is not about the things that we want to do, but the people that we want to share Jesus with. That really matters. Father, I ask that you would challenge this church that they would be truthful. That tomorrow when they see them at work, that today when they see them in their yard, their neighbor, or whoever it might be, or it might be the next time they see their family member, that that you would remind them of the necessity of your word and your message. And Father, I pray that you would allow them to put aside every distraction, put aside every fear, to have the courage and boldness to speak to them and ask them about Jesus. And God, I pray for the one that might be in this room that, is, that needs a relationship with you, that is broken and wants to know you deeply.
And I ask that you'd give that person the courage to come talk with me. Um, And God, that you would reign in this place just for the next few minutes, certainly as we worship you together as a church. Uh, Jesus, we love you and proclaim you as king. Amen.